Welcome to episode 21 of the Facts and Blog and Podcast. You know, the last couple of weeks we've had uh, some kind of industry interviews and some charitable things that we've been doing, which we totally enjoy. Uh, But we do have the opportunity this week to actually uh, get a little bit closer to some current events. We're sure that a lot of you have been keeping an eye on all the things that have uh, come to fruition in Seattle, all the rioting uh, throughout all the major metro areas in the States, but uh, certainly Seattle. Seattle made a lot of headlines with their autonomous zone. And uh, one of the characters in that uh, whole first round of protests that uh, came out really as a hero uh, was a a man who goes by Rugi. You'll probably remember some of these news shots uh, of him confronting people that are trying to take ARs out of the back of uh, really demolished and and vandalized police cruisers. Um, And before they could turn them on the crowd, uh, Rugi takes his training and background from being a Marine and a private investigator and working private security uh, to neutralize this situation. Uh, some folks have taken screenshots and shown all the different ways that, you know, he was dismantling these uh, guns, taking bolt carrier groups and so on, throwing them in his pocket, uh, trying to get them back to the police and so on, and still uh, keeping his crew uh, safe through it all. So uh, we're really excited to have Rugi along with us. Before we get started today, though, just wanted to let you know that Gun Broker has started their auction for our one-of-a-kind PCC that we partnered with One-Off Coatings LLC for. Uh, this goes for the PewTubers Stream for a Clearer Tomorrow charity event, where all of the funds raised by the auction, both from our uh, PCC on Gun Broker to a whole bunch of different donations from across the airsoft and firearms world, uh, all these proceeds are going to getting anti-fog supplies like X-Fog and other supplies to Cincinnati Children's uh, Hospital Medical Center uh, to help with all the fogging issues that they're having with their increased PPE needs. We'll have the link for that in the show notes uh, so you could start bidding and that will be going through July 3rd. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to our conversation with Ruki. So Ruki, one of the things that I've found interesting when kind of looking up all these other interviews and things that you've done and articles and such that you've been in, you know, one of the things that you talked about was being, you know, the gray man in the crowd. And for for those folks who maybe don't know, you know, what gray man means or what the terminology means, would you mind just kind of giving a, a quick kind of backdrop on what that is and and what that means to you, especially, you know, as it partook to the, uh, uh, to the issues in Seattle that you were a part of. Yeah, absolutely. So the agreement is, is essentially a philosophy of how one can act in a situation or, you know, be as a person or, you know, basically take day to day life. Um, I went into that day, acting and being and looking as gray as possible, meaning I'm blending into my environment. I'm blending in not just to the surroundings, but the people. Um, And I'm blending in in such a way, like, I'm not overt. I'm not looking like a big, bad security guy with a gun. You know, I'm not acting like I'm this super alert, high-speed dude trying to do things. I'm just trying to act like everyone else. I'm not dressing in a manner that sticks out. I'm dressing in a very low-key, 
man, we're, essentially, if someone were to be looking around and they saw me and they looked past, they'd immediately forget about me. Yeah. Right. Um, but the gray man being that is also the, the most deadly person in that area. He's the one that is the most alert, the one that is the most ready to take action when needed, the one that you don't mess with because he has made his life and his mission in life to be unnoticed, but deadly as possible whenever he needs to be. So if you never notice him, that's great. If you do... That's not, you know, the gray man can be anything in any situation. So in that, in that situation, I was in the middle of a riot in the crowd and I wanted to blend in there. So walking around doing stupid little chants and just acting pretty stupid, which is what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, If I was in another situation, um, Fourth of July is coming up. So I'm an American, right? I'm going to be out in there fireworks and all. I rest just like everyone else, American flags, stuff like that. Um, it's essentially just any of your environment you're in, you know, it's not blending in like, you know, we're out in the woods, let's throw a ghillie suit on. No, once you get seen, people know, okay, this guy is doing something way, way different than us. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that you hit on. I mean, it's not like you, you dressed obviously to go into combat, you know, you didn't get, you know, you didn't get in some sort of crazy uniform. You didn't have, you know, patches and stuff attached to you or anything like that. You were, you were going in to, you know, not play cop, you know, you were there to, to protect and, and, uh, you know, blend in. So you, so you didn't get noticed. I think that's, I think yeah. that's huge. Cause I think a lot of people think if I'm going to go in and I'm going to protect and I'm going to be Billy bad. No, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get all decked out. Overt security and covert security both are very good and very effective, and but they're to achieve different things. My goal that day was to be unnoticed, my, for my team to be unnoticed. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. There was other days where we did go completely unnoticed, and there was other days again where we did get noticed. I mean, it's kind of hard to hide in a crowd when you have a big camera up on your shoulder. Yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, I don't want to totally rehash since you since you have been kind of making your your rounds doing these interviews and everything. Yeah, yeah. I just want to kind of touch briefly on the background that I think a lot of people already know. Uh, You served in the Marine Corps. Uh, you've done private security. Kind of, what are some of the other things that that you have in your professional bag of tricks that kind of gets you, kind of gets you to your uh, uh, current current stance? I wish I was that well rounded. Um, <laughs> size security and firearms instruction. A majority of my background is firearms instruction. Um, Marine Corps, I'm shooting, man, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. TSE, <laughs> I did a lot of TSE in the Marine Corps, the tactical site exploitation. Um, essentially, it's like taking a combat environment or zone or whatever you're in and CSI, you know, look at it like Sherlock Holmes and figure out what's up. Yeah. Um, other bag of tricks. I mean, I'm technically a, I'm a PI um, is what I technically am right now. Uh, private investigator. Uh, that's why I was licensed to be there doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I could tell you about some jobs I've done metal fabricating. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're also a machine shop, so we know uh, we. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. right up. Oh, yeah. That's, hey, here's your resume. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, my professional bag of tricks really doesn't extend that far. Unfortunately, I wish it did. Well, I mean, I, I think the, the the one common thread of all the things that you mentioned is definitely attention to detail, surroundings, kind of what's yeah. happening to, you know, both as far as like crowds are concerned in situations, but also like, you know, interpersonal types of, of cues, which obviously set you up well uh, for everything that transpired in, in Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know, the one of the things that uh you know has been repeated is that the kind of the the famous clip if you will is actually the the second rifle that you uh that you had to to take and just the overall deal was people were vandalizing police cars taking stuff out of them you know pulling these these rifles out and then you have to then neutralize that person to make sure they don't turn it on anyone and and take it from them so even though you're probably reciting this for the millionth time uh, what what is what is, <laughs> what is that process i mean when you have to say okay this is a situation that I need to step into and I need to neutralize to keep as many people safe as possible. Well, that process, it began, I mean, if I want to get to the very beginning, it began years ago. But for that day, that process was when I, the day prior to that, I got a call, hey, we might need you guys down at work to get in here as soon as possible. So I got spun up and ready, but it ended up getting pushed to the next day. So I already had a bag ready to for that. Then that day, I was basically just waiting. I was sitting in my garage making my product that I'm about to start selling as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And I get a call, hey, you know, this is, uh, this is what we need. So I already had an expectation of what I was going to get into. And uh, I dressed to, to that expectation. So, but the thing that really saved my going in is... I put my phone on the side on my passenger seat playing video YouTube videos of the uh, recent uh, events the past few days of what was going on in Seattle so I had an idea and uh, from that I was able to you know help frame my mind about what I was gonna get into um, because so the thing about the gray man the simplest thing he can give you away, right? If someone says something right. stupid and you just kind of look up like, you know, what the <laughs> shrug and go off. Well, if someone else is going to pick up on that, well, you just kind of bleed your cover. Right. It can be the simplest thing. Um, so I'm going into a place with really, literally thousands who are doing things that I disagree with. I do not believe in. Excuse me. <laughs> And uh, so I knew I was going to have to kind of rein myself in mm -hmm. um, that, you know, this is my mission. This is what I'm here for. This is what I'm doing. Everything else doesn't matter. I'm just going to have to, you know, not deal with it. I'm just going to let it roll on past. And then it's, I vaguely made some very big choices. It's, I'm not deploying overseas, right? I'm not going to a, I may be going to a hostile zone, but I'm not going to a combat zone. I'm not going to a place where American lives are threatened by others. No, I'm going to a place where American lives are threatened by Americans. And that's a very different kind of thing to deal with and heartbreaking in a lot of ways. But uh, I decided I didn't want to take American life. I would if needed. 
mm-hmm. but I don't want to. So with that vague, well, it seems specific, but it's actually rather vague in, in these kind of situations. I was going to choose an avenue where I didn't have to take American life if I was presented with one. If I wasn't, I was going to do what was needed. So those two big decisions were already made before I ever went in, before I went in there. Because I was, you know, I made, it, made my frame of mind. And then behind that was, you know, how I was going to be to protect my team so that we didn't stand out. Well, so when I snatched both of those rifles, that was the decision being made where, okay, I saw an opportunity to take. I didn't have to. I could have, but I didn't have to, so I didn't. Um, but what then that did is it drew a target on me and my team. So my, t- my job there was to protect them. My job wasn't to do what I did with those rifles. Um, however, at that point, the job gets put on a back burner because I put them into a security, a secure position as secure as can be. Yeah. And then it became who I want to be and what my duty is and what I believe it to be and what the situation was coming could come to, I was going to resolve. And, you know, the, the, from what I've seen, you know, from all the, the news clips and, and previous interviews that you've done is uh, when you approached at least that, that second uh, person who was taking, who had taken the rifle from the squad car, you know, as soon as you came up on them and addressed them, you know, it was, it, it seemed like they didn't puff up and try to come back at you. They were like, okay. You know, they just kind of backed off, like hand away from the trigger. They were ready to give it up because you approached them, you know, in a way of like, this is not going to end well for you. If, if you, if you, yeah, I didn't give them any opportunity or I didn't give them any choice to make any other choice besides you didn't do what I say. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm going to, you know, do what I have to do. Um, that second video, or that second video, that video of me taking the second rifle is very much like what happened with the first. Except the first, huh, sorry, I can't wake up. The <laughs> first, right. I, uh, it was even faster. It was even a lot faster because I came around a corner and took it from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't know I was there until literally I was right on top of him with the pistol. So, uh, yeah, and... <laughs> and pointed out to me numerous times that it was it's essentially just the violence of action i made my i went from very hopefully covert to incredibly overt and from the from the from the decision to draw from my from my pocket and Mm -hmm. go across the street from that draw to my voice being projected i just broke all the concealment that i had and i I froze them, you know, I froze them from uh, moving. They had no decision to make besides the decision I was giving them, but they were too frozen to make that decision as well. So I made it for them. Yeah. I, you know, and one of the things that you, uh, you know, you touched on was that whole idea of, of, you know, what was your kind of higher job that day? And then kind of what was the, the larger duty behind it, especially after you got your team into a secure place, but with, with your team, I mean, was there any sort of time, you know, to prep before you guys got there that day to kind of like rally everyone together and say, Hey, here are the things that, that we think may happen. You, you mentioned you had like YouTube videos showing kind of what had happened in previous protests. 
protests and riots. Uh, kind of, how do you kind of prep them uh, for that situation? So I had never worked with that team before. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, never. Um, just met them maybe an hour and a half before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get there to the, we meet them at the station. I'm there and I ask them, hey, what's your experience? How long have you been doing this? Here's my experience. This is how long I've been doing this. What do you expect from me? This is what I expect from you, right? Yeah. Some very basic but very important information needs to be exchanged here so that when the situation arises, we know how to handle each other and talk to each other. They've been they've been working riots and protests in Seattle. Seattle's wildly ridiculous with them all the time. So they've been doing that a lot. Well, I, I've only ever been in one other protest in my life, and it was not like this. Yeah. Um, so that gave a level of expectation of what they wanted from me and yeah. what I wanted from them. So with something that kicked off, if something happened, I needed them. Essentially, they're going to need to listen to me and do what I say. Right. Other than that, it's you know, I'll help you get your shots. I'll make sure no one's bothering you and stuff like that. Um, so when the first rifle came out the window and I said gun from that moment, now they were listening to me. Now they had right. to do what I said. And what is very important about that is um, it's, it's the, as much control as I can exert over the situation is is better. Because if I put them somewhere and they go wandering off or moving around or anything like that, now that's a variable that I didn't account for that I have to fix on the fly in a, you know, a very chaotic situation. Just adding more to that. I'm trying to eliminate the chaos. Um, so I very colorfully said, stay right here. Yeah. And uh, when I went and took the first rifle and came back, they were right there. And they had already got on the phone with dispatch because uh, some shots were fired. So, um, And so that got a, to be a little bit of a struggle, moving them around. And after the second rifle and trying to get them to the police because I made a very big target for them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that I heard you, you talk about on a a previous interview you did, um, was just people not necessarily understanding different police departments, you know, SOPs, you know, and a lot of folks who are kind of on the other side of the, you know, two way debate, if you will, you know, it's all this, you know, defunding police and demilitarizing the police and why do police have ARs and all this sort of things. And, and I think one of the stories that was brought up was, you know, years ago when there was a large bank robbery in LA, uh, and these these police officers who were supposed to go in and neutralize the situation only had handguns and and they couldn't do anything against, you know, uh, you know, uh, basically fully automatic ARs coming at them from the folks, you know, that are that are, you know, robbing this bank. Um, so there's there's a lot of talk about that. And I think you had put it well previously where you're like, it's, you know, it's kind of matching force. If, if somebody who's a criminal is going to raise to this force, then police need to be able to raise. Yeah. Yeah, It's the whole escalation piece. You know, how, I mean, how do you have, you know, that conversation with someone, you know, when they're, if they're coming to you, especially now that, you know, you, you've gotten some publicity, if people are coming at you from the other side of, of the debate and saying, yeah, we should demilitarize and defund police, you know, how do you speak into that to say, you know, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Here are some real life situations. 
Okay, let me ask you this. What does demilitarizing the police mean? Yeah, that's the thing. It means a lot of different things to a ton of different people. Yeah, and it's complete horseshit because the police aren't military. Right. Okay, the military's entire mission and operation and capabilities far extend beyond any PD in the United States or therefore in the world. Okay. Right. Demilitarizing the police is it's can't I don't want to swear, <laughs> but uh it's absolutely yeah. asinine. Yeah. All right. Um demilitarizing the police, this this entire that entire phrase drives me insane because talking about that bank robbery, yeah. The uh the situation was escalated and it was escalated by an opposing force first, right? And mm -hmm. there were a lot hurt and armed or and harmed before the police could do anything about them. And what, what they had to do, they had to go into a firearm shop and take rifles off the shelf and ammunition from them in order to stop it. Yeah. Um, so since then, the standard has become to carry, you know, AR-15 patrol rifles. And 100,000%, it should be the standard. They're not fully automatic weapons like people believe. Right. They're not first fire weapons. They're semi-automatics. Same thing I have. Same thing I'm sure you have. Your company mm -hmm. makes. Yep. They make great rifles. But, uh, and then body armor, right? A lot of people think the military, military obviously has body armor, but they think that looks military. Well, no, they put themselves in situations yeah. where they can get shot. They want to go home to their family too. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's the whole, it's the whole idea that it's, it's, um, it's an optics thing. You know, and, and we're in Ohio and, no, and it's, and, and let's, we let's already had, oh yeah. And, and that's, yeah. Because now you have cartels, drug, uh, you know, drug organizations, you got gangs and everything. Let's look at their optics. What are they doing for the people? They're not protecting, they're not serving. They're the reason that our, mil our military, our police have to have, you know, these specific pieces of gear. And why not get them the best? Right. Why not? Mm -hmm. tell, tell me a reason why we can't give those to serve the best opportunity of getting home every single night. Yeah. Because to me, that, that doesn't make sense. I'm also, I also completely disagree with the decision made to take the CS gas and riot shields and all that kind of stuff away from the Seattle PDs. Because now what have you done? You made that escalation of force go from here to here real fast. Right. And you didn't give anything in between to push them back. Which is what all of those things were put in place originally for. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. to go straight to your firearm. You could go pepper spray, tear gas, rubber bullets, shields. Well, I mean, the a military, million different things. The military, they use them as deterrents in specific situations. But that's not the military's job. They're not, a, we're not a police action. Mm -hmm. You know, in layman's term, we're there to take your ass away from you. And, and that's it. You're mm -hmm. probably not going to live. The police, yeah. they want to make sure that those who are breaking the law and making the public unsafe are arrested and then duly processed. They're not there to shoot and kill. Yeah, everyone has their bad eggs, right? Look, mm -hmm. religion, everyone has their bad eggs. You know, everyone has bad eggs in their family. Right. It happens. And unfortunately it that's the way it is. But you know what? Sitting there and saying defund and demilitarize, well, that's that conversation needs to be happening with a lot more educated people because the people saying it, they're not.
Well, and that's you know, one of the things that we've talked about just in the office when all this stuff comes down, because obviously every time there's any sort of civil unrest, you see different peaks and valleys in the firearms industry and kind of this whole supply and demand of it all. You know, one of the things that I think people miss and they don't, they just don't think about it is that they think all police everywhere are kind of under one structure, you know, that it's like somewhere in the federal government ether that takes care of every single police officer that they've ever seen. And it's like, well, no, I mean, you have, you have sheriff's offices, you have smaller municipalities, you have some states with state police, you have some with highway patrols. They're, they're all operating under albeit similar at times, you know, guidelines and procedures. They're all governed you know, uniquely in the individual area that they are. It's not like we have one giant federal police force with all these branches. And I think right now the the hard tide to turn is how do you educate people on exactly how these municipalities and these individual departments actually work? You know, where do they, you know, and a lot of them will yeah. maybe be surprised to find out like, hey, actually you voted for the sheriff that's in office, you know, in, in, your, in your particular county or parish you know absolutely uh there's different standard operation procedures through every military branch through every military unit from a fire team all the way up and it's the same thing with uh, the police that police and law enforcement around the country um and you know what they need to be different because i'm sure where i live is completely different where you live exactly you're probably yeah. seeing more of a different thing than i see where i live right and the same mm -hmm. thing with seattle versus helena montana right um they need to operate differently um uh, and that's okay like to the seattle pd they deal with more protests and riots than from what i understand any other city in our country so that needs to be something that they train on that they're prepared for that they have gear for you know they're not out in a rural environment just driving around you know and you know taking care of people that break down on the side of the road and shit like that right. they're in a city block by block handling a situation and education is the biggest thing that people do not have and they do not seek it because they want to hear what they feel is okay and right and go with the crowd i heard people out there multiple times yelling you know, gas is against the Geneva Convention. You're breaking laws. You're breaking laws. Well, okay, guy. It's CS gas. It's essentially pepper spray on steroids. All yeah. right. It's it's yeah. not a nerve agent. It's not a biological agent. You're, and that just little bit right there, to me, was demonstrating the education of everyone around because everyone's agreeing with them. Right. What do you really know? Like, and they don't understand. Like, I'm hearing people say they're having a traumatic experience from CS gas. Well, okay, I'm a Marine. You have to get qualified on CS gas, right? Well, and that's just it. A lot of police departments, too, before they're allowed to carry a taser, before they're allowed to exactly. carry pepper spray, that's part they of their training. These systems, these qualifications, yeah. this training, and uh, and they're put in situations where their their self interest and their familial interest will override everything when something like that comes on comes comes up. I cannot sit here and tell you, I'd be lying if I did, that before I drew my pistol, I had to weigh the consequences that could happen to my family. And you know what? That's a really sad thing for a protector to have to worry about, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be it shouldn't have to be a worry to go through your mind. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, it should just be that threat that you're trying to neutralize and and not the response from, you know, however many people are around you that may disagree with what you stand for. Um, And and obviously all that from them is going to be in a split second kind of crowd mob mentality uh, uh, decision making process. You know, uh, before we wrap up, I do just kind of want to get your take since you're closer to it than we are, um, you know, how things are going in Seattle uh, and especially with that whole autonomous zone craziness that's that's happening out there. Like what what have you seen and and maybe like stuff that doesn't get portrayed on the on the national stage? Because, you know, here in the Midwest, you know, we we get the highlights. I mean, we have all the same news outlets that that everyone else does, but it's you know, still doesn't uh, replicate being, being close to it. It's not being covered 100% like it should be, but that's the same with all news everywhere. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, unfortunately, that's how it is. It's not being hundred percent covered. Now I was, there's no more news crews going in there the last like week, week and a half. Um, there are different things taking place there. Um, well, I was there when the autonomous zone was created. I watched the, the police back out. Now, they backed out. They didn't get pushed out. Mm-hmm. There At that time, when they picked up and walked out, there were more police than there were protesters by a lot. And a few days that prior to that, when I was there, there was a lot more protesters. They backed out in a calculated move. They're playing chess right now. Yeah. So, so, make an example show people what they they're doing um the there were two one was shot one was one was shot and killed the other was shot and seriously injured just the other day and uh people in the chop are super upset because police or police fire and uh, paramedics and everything didn't get in there another thing what we're talking <laughs> about education yeah they don't go into a situation unless the scene is secure the who yeah. people who secure their scenes are the police. Yeah. So they're not going to go into a hostile zone to take someone out and get them to the hospital if it puts them at risk. Why right. would, again, why would they? They're not police. Police are in a position to make that decision and do that, but not them. They're not trained for that. You know what? They shouldn't have to if they don't want to. Yeah. Especially if they're not trained. So now you're telling me, okay, you create a hostile zone. Something hostile happens, and you want that zone there because you don't like the establishment. But now you're getting butthurt that the establishment won't come in and help, right? Because you created a hostile zone. Yeah, exactly. If you if you're going to say you're autonomous, then that means you're autonomous from all of the things that you broke off from, and that includes municipal support, you know, and emergency fun, services, got, yeah. utilities. All of that stuff that's that's going on, yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's kind of been the general consensus for us here. Is we really do uh, agree that this is kind of a calculated chess move and uh, an example of okay, this is what you're saying, uh, this is what you think your utopia is going to be like, um, and let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's see how it how it plays out. And frankly, it looks a little bit like Lord of the Flies in there, uh, you know, from from what we've been able to see for sure. Yeah, the uh, the exact reference me and a few of my friends have made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lord of the Flies needs to start looking like the OK Corral. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's getting nuts for sure. Well, Rugi, we really appreciate you taking some time for us. Uh, if there's any uh, things that you would like to plug or if people want to figure out more about what you do as far as like uh, uh, firearms training or things of that variety, where could they get in touch with you? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to take full advantage of the opportunity. <laughs> uh, my, my Instagram is uh, underscore shooter, underscore Rugi, underscore Rugi, R-U-G-H-I. Um, that's for me directly. That's where I've been posting updates on, you know, what is going on just with me and all this. And then my business as well. I just got my business name sent back to me and that's a hundred percent lockdown. It's bang bags. Um, and the domain and all that is bought and paid for and the websites are getting set up. Um, also there's going to be a website set up for just me and everything that I'm, you know, getting into with the industry and all that. Yeah. Um, I'll re- release that when that's done. The, uh, and then another thing that really means a lot more to me is my Instagram that's being run by a close friend of mine, Firewatch official. Nothing else is Firewatch official. Mm-hmm. And its purpose is to have a place for veterans, military active duty, um, first responders and medical personnel to be able to go on and post up their stories about, you know, things that are bothering stuff. That's funny, whatever, like these experiences that only those that are in service in these situations go through, um, that, you know, maybe post it up. You want anonymous will be completely anonymous. You want to be tagged in or something like that. Then absolutely. Um, but it's a place for positivity and, you know, to share the light going on. And, uh, it's literally at your fingertips all the time. Very good. Well, tell us about that product. What What is this? You said bang bags? Is that what it is? Bang bag. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> bang bags, it's a, uh, it's a soft good for precision shooting. Um, uh, if I remember right from the last time I was on your guys' site, there's a couple of your rifles that it worked really well for. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to give to it's It's been shown coincidentally essentially it's a it's a rear bag that is going to fill some gaps that a lot of rear bags don't and a lot of the bags that are being made for the shooting world these days are all geared towards competition right. and competition is great and it's fun but the first mission of firearms has always not been well i mean competition's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years but sure first mission was always you know defensive life so that's what i'm gearing it towards but it can absolutely be used to competitions to uh backcountry hunting awesome awesome well we should probably chat about that sometime then uh, especially if some of our stuff will, will work with it well Ruby, thank oh, yeah. you so much we're gonna leave some links uh in the show notes and also on the screen here so people could uh, follow you and see everything that you're doing and uh again thank you yeah no thank you and uh Shoot me an email about whatever you want to talk about. And I also forgot, I have a GoFundMe in my shooter boogie. So okay, for, that's, and that's for my business startup. That's that's going Got up. It. Everything there is going straight to the business. Excellent. We will plug that as well. All right. Thanks so much, Ruggie. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching. As promised, we have links to all of Rugi's social media sites and all the projects that he's working on in this week's show notes. And we will also be throwing some of them up on the screen. So make sure you give him a follow. Uh, there are tons of other interviews with him out there. If you are interested in a little more background and a few more different takes, 
on exactly what has transpired uh, in the days that he was um, uh, helping out during those riots in Seattle. Also, don't forget to make sure you hop over to gunbroker.com to bid on our charity PCC, helping PewTubers Anonymous get anti-fog supplies to Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next week. We want to extend our deepest gratitude to military, police, first responders, and more by saying thank you with special pricing and discounts on all facts and products. Here's how you get started. First, you'll head on over to our website, factsandfirearms.com. From there, you'll want to click Support and Guardian Purchase Program in the drop-down. Then you'll see the instructions on how to get started, so let's just walk through those. First, you'll want to register for an account on our website. If you've already bought something from us on our website before, then this part's already taken care of. Second, you'll want to send a copy of your credentials or some reasonable verification of affiliation to customer service at factionfirearms.com. We get a lot of emails where people are like, hey, will this count? Will this ID count? Will this VA card count? Chances are, yes, a lot of them will count, but make sure you attach an image or a copy of that verification to the email before you even ask customer service. That way they can expedite the process for you. As soon as the account has been created or updated, we will send you an email letting you know that you're ready to go. The discount will be available anytime online when you go to your shopping cart. If you have any more questions, please email customer service at factsandfirearms.com.